The following podcast is sponsored by the new Hood College Gear Shop. The gear shop replaces the old Hood bookstore. Most of us remember the bookstore as just a place where we bought or rented books. Well, that's not the case anymore. The Hood College Gear Shop is a great place to buy all kinds of things. Need some Hood brand merch? You'll find hoodies and t-shirts, hats and scarves, sweats, socks, mugs and cups. They even have hood branded blankets. Low on shampoo or soap? They have you covered. Bad breath before class? Buy some gum or Tic Tacs. Need a pen, highlighter, or notebook? The gear shop has ton. Does your roommate have a dog? Buy them a hood college leash or collar. Need some Advil or Tums? The gear shop has your back. Need a last minute birthday gift for your best friend? you'll find plenty of options. What I'm saying is the Hood College Gear Shop has you covered for all of your gift, school, snack, and blazer branded clothing needs. So the next time you're in WIT, stop in and browse around. Mention my name, Jordan Costley, and the name of this podcast, Minority Minds, and receive 10% off your purchase of any Hood branded merchandise. But take a listen to the show first. Minority, minority, minority minds. Minority, minority, minority minds. Matter. Hello, it's your host with the most, Jordan Cosley, and welcome to Minority Minds. This podcast aims to discuss the minority experience for Hood College students and learn important facts regarding to the history of minoritized groups. Wherever you may be, enjoy the program, and stay tuned for my upcoming podcast. Hello, hello, hello. It's your host with the most, Jordan Costley, and welcome to the second episode of Minority Minds. Before we get started, here is the answer to last episode's trivia question of who was the first black woman to earn a doctorate from MIT? The answer is Shirley Ann Jackson. She graduated with her PhD in 1973. She also received her bachelor's degree from MIT in theoretical physics in 1968. The doctoral program was in nuclear physics She was featured in Ebony Magazine in 1974, and the title of the article was Nuclear Physicist at Fermilab, with the following subtitle, Young PhD Holds Her Own in a White Male Dominated World, and it featured two pictures of her. I really want to stress how major this actually was. She was the first African-American to earn a doctorate at MIT in any field of all the programs offered at MIT had yet to have an African-American woman in the program. And she was the second woman in the whole United States to earn a doctorate in physics. She ended up eventually serving as the chair of the president's intelligence advisory board under the Obama administration from 2014 to 2017. Okay, now that the trivia answer has been revealed, we're going to move on to today's topic of microaggressions. How many of you know Know what microaggressions are. How many of you know the different types of microaggressions? If you don't, that's okay. We will first examine what microaggressions are, what the distinct type of microaggressions are, 
examples in the world and her college students experience with microaggressions. If you end up finding this topic interesting and you are a hood student, I encourage you to take the class Human Rights and Social Justice. It discusses microaggressions along with other topics related to human rights. One more thing before we began, I met with five different individuals over the span of about four days. And so I gave them the option of not sharing their names. So if that's what made them feel more comfortable with sharing their story and experience with microaggressions, I wanted to respect their confidentiality. So moving forward to what a microaggression is, it's an everyday verbal, nonverbal, and environmental slight snub or insult whether intentional or unintentional, that communicates hostile, derogatory, or negative messages to target persons based solely on their marginalized group membership. Microaggressions reflect the active manifestation of oppression, oppressive worldviews that create and foster and enforce marginalization. What is marginalization? It's a process of social exclusion in which individuals or groups are relegated to the fringes of society being denied economic, political, and or symbolic power and pushed towards being outsiders. There are three different types of microaggressions, micro assaults, micro insults, and micro invalidations. So micro assaults with an A are deliberate and intentional slights or insults that are meant to hurt or intend victims through name-calling, avoidant behavior, and purposeful discriminatory actions. Two examples of a micro-assault is racial profiling by law enforcement and a saying like, you don't belong here, go back to your home, is an example of a micro-assault. Micro-insult with an I are rude, insensitive comments that subtly disrespect a person's racial heritage or identity. This could be assuming that someone isn't smart based on their appearance or implying that certain groups or people don't have morals. An example of this would be someone making a remark like, you're different than most fill in a marginalized group here. A micro-invalidation is when someone attempts to discredit or minimize an experience of a person who is from an underrepresented group. For instance, if an Asian American coworker is sharing a time they felt disrespected and you interrupt them to say they weren't discriminated against and start sharing your own experience to contradict what was said. So before I opened the discussion up, I wanted to briefly talk about my experience with microaggressions. So I grew up in a predominantly white area, but if you would have asked me if I ever had experienced a microaggression, I would have looked at you like you had two heads because I didn't know what you were talking about. But now, knowing what microaggressions are, I can share my experience much like the example of micro insults i heard things like you don't talk like you're black or people telling me i was smarter than i looked i used to just think these were insults but they were racially and sex-based discriminations making them micro insults so that being said i'm going to open up the floor to some friends joining me and we are going to have a discussion based on some questions that were pre-prepared all right thank you guys so much for coming so if you did want to share your name um this is the time so i'm going to start this way and then we'll get rolling all right well my name is kalia and my name is karen hi my name is erica bailey hi my name is karina Paracino. When was the first time you learned about microaggressions? 2016, 27 YouTube. Some people I went to school with would watch these compilations of like feminist owned cringe compilations. And Katie, I worked for MTV and she was making YouTube videos talking about racism and like microaggressions. 
first instance I maybe heard about the term or examples of it might have been high school. At that point, it was never something that was like openly talked about, like teachers or anything like that. If I did hear it, it might have been in passing, like on social media or maybe a friend of mine. For me, I never was fully taught at a young age about microaggressions, but I will say that I did have an instance where I did see the word. I used to participate in this conference that was called Saga. It was basically a bunch of kids in elementary school and middle school coming together, learning a bunch of African-American facts, and then going against each other at a big conference. And one of our questions was actually about microaggression. I didn't know about the term microaggression until like later in life. I would say probably not until I got to college that I actually had a term for or you know it was something that I had a name for I didn't learn about microaggression unfortunately until I I started working in academia I have a background you know I'm from the US Virgin Islands also have roots and from you know parents from the Caribbean and so I didn't learn of some of the behaviors um, associated with that until you know I was in uh, middle school stories talking about you know it was maybe in passing it wasn't something that you were truly educated on so I think that's really important to hit on so what does now or even while you're still exploring what microaggressions mean what does the word microaggression mean to you i think it's it's definitely what people say or what people do um looking even at the definition itself it's those nonverbal or verbal it's you know unintentional or intentional the one the behaviors that i encounter i don't think the person or persons didn't mean any harm by it because even when i address it with them a majority of comments i get oh it's not my it's was not my intention i i do apologize and i may get the apology um but at the same time i, I know it's so i identify it as the behavior the behavior is more what you can see well already like the word like aggression is kind of like the base of it that's already it already has a connotation of being hostile or something that's bad or something that's not okay that you're not comfortable with micro of course seeming like not so much to minimize it but like kind of specify it may not be an outright clear danger or harm to someone but it's still just as harmful as physically being assaulted or verbally um it's more i think about it i think of like me being followed around a store because I someone thinks that I might be stealing. So to my microaggression to me personally, it feels like an attack on someone based upon a behavior or something that you may have learned instead of actually getting to know that person. Mm. It's just you trying to attack them and be like, oh, well, I don't like what you're doing. So I'm just going to say I don't like it. And you're doing this and giving it a negative connotation when it's not actually a negative action or characteristic a microaggression can be like you said earlier like it's either intentional or unintentional i just feel like they're harmful things that people can say or do to someone particularly like minoritized groups that i think maybe the dominant group thinks is an acceptable thing to say or do um and i feel like maybe it's different from like straight up hate like it's not blatant discrimination not always but I guess what sets it apart from that is like the obscurity of the comment. Like you're not saying something outwardly hateful or doing something outwardly hateful at times, but it does make you feel other. Being able to acknowledge your experience can be a really mm. a really positive experience mm. in pushing you forward as a person and it can put a light under your butt, mm. but it can also dim your fire. It can be like, man, if I would have known this earlier, there could have been so many different things that I said to people about hey I don't like that I don't like how you're saying
saying that. Maybe I know that's not your intention, but let me tell you how this feels for me. Have you had any experiences with microaggressions? Have I experienced any microaggressions? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, throughout my life, fortunately a little bit less at Hood, but still had some incidents, um, especially in like my first couple years here. It goes back as early as like elementary school, I think. I remember, you know, I'm Asian, I have like yellow toned skin, and I remember kids like running away from me and like don't let zombie girl touch you because like the like the skin color or like if she touches you she'll give you jaundice stuff like that so just like but they would laugh and so I would feel compelled like am I supposed to be laughing too like you know is this what is this funny like it didn't make me feel good but I didn't know, I guess, what to do about it or how to feel about it at the time. Um, and like, you know, being being gay, like that has opened a lot of those doors for me as well. Like people will either invalidate my relationship with my partner. Like I have a girlfriend and I have family members that will be like, oh, her friend, you know, her her buddy. Like, no, that's my partner. You know, you're talking to my sister and, and, and you're acknowledging her boyfriend. Right, my own family members, even strangers too, you know, will be holding hands and they'll be like you guys look so close <laughs> and I know <laughs> we are sir we are but I, I mean again intentional or unintentional it still makes you feel a certain way or you know like people will what I more commonly get are like really inappropriate jokes about you know my sexuality and I'm like well you wouldn't say that to a man or you wouldn't say that to a straight person like why are you saying that to me it's interesting too because you know I feel like I usually surround myself with people that I really care about and respect. Um, I often feel like I have relationships where if I happen to offend someone or be insensitive or the other way around, either person is willing to recognize that and, you know, apologize for it and do better, not make that same mistake. But of course, you know, you're around so many people, strangers, peers, classmates, teachers, a lot of people that you're not on a close level with. So that chance of coming off as offensive, having a microaggression occur is more likely. I feel like this is kind of varied for me, like with my family, maybe more so like extended family and definitely like kind of like at social events where you're kind of around friendly people, but they're not necessarily your friends. Uh, me personally, I know I recognize I'm a pretty thin person and at times there have been occasions where friends or acquaintances may speak on my weight um, in terms of me seeming too thin or unhealthy. Like, oh, make sure you're filling up your plate, you know, make sure you're eating. I was like, I'm good. You know, my family feeds me well. I know what my body needs and what I don't need. Don't go off of my appearance to assume, oh, maybe, you know, she's going through something. Maybe she's not healthy, you know, trying to encourage us. Like, and oftentimes, I feel like in that sense it's coming from a well-intentioned place but you still don't understand the individual or what they're going through so it makes no sense to comment on their physical appearance because I'm really really interested in the experience for minority students staff faculty what have you with Hood College and I'm not saying that maybe this experience isn't happening but I'm alluding to that it, it most likely is, so I am really curious if there's been anything that you've experienced either at, at the school or even in the Frederick community or just your overall general experience with microaggressions. Um, here at Hood, I have experienced microaggression based on social identity. So yes, on race, yes, on gender, um, those two. And I've heard some of my colleagues you know, made reference to that. and. The, the point of it is that when you hear it, when you see it, you have to be able to kind of speak out about it because that's the only way it, could, it can be addressed, right? Is to, it, you know, it, it's, we know it's there. 
Um, we know what's going to happen, but it's how you address it. Make sure, make sure, making sure that that person recognizes it, and then they can say whether they apologize or it wasn't their intention. Whatever response they get, they give. You kind of take it and you know be able to move on, or at least that's the intention. But have I experienced it here? Yes, I have. I don't want to go in detail about it, um, but based on those two, gender and race, I have experienced it. it. I can tell you this much: definitely not a great feeling. You want to be in a place where you feel welcome. You want to be in, a, in an institution where you feel valued. And again, it's a, again, hood is you know I think in my book, even though it's predominantly white, there's still diversity within. And so some of the subtle slides or some of the things that said the behavioral, again, may not be the person's intention, but I know I've experienced it in the sense that I feel it. I know what it is. I recognize it. On the level that I am in terms of, you know, as a doctoral program, you figure people would know at that level, but they really don't. And so some of the things I have to say, hey, I think what you just said was insulting. I find what you said. If it, even if it wasn't to me, I may hear it said to someone, someone else, and then I just kind of call it out and they say, oh, I'm so sorry I didn't know that. Um, so again, I don't think it, it'll ever go away, but academia is just definitely a, is a place where you see it most, and it's just a matter of just speaking up about it when you see it. You bring up a really good point is that you have to be willing to speak up for yourself, but mm-hmm. It's also important to remember that it can be really scary to speak up. It can be really, you know, hard to voice yourself, especially if it's someone who's a professor or a colleague or even a potential resource, a a new partner, whatever. It can be really difficult to say, hey, I, I don't like that. This for me is so exhilarating and exciting because it feels good to have people whether you know them or not, say, hey, that happened to me too. Yeah. Because as a black woman who is fairly light-skinned, I always... With hazel eyes. <laughs> with my <laughs> hazel eyes, I got all the time, oh, are you mixed? No. I would usually respond with, my mom is black. <laughs> and usually that cut the conversation because in maybe this is my opinion, but most people assume that a black woman is not going to be with another race, particularly a white man. Mm -hmm. But that's not true. But that that used to be my response. I used to say, my mom's Mom's black. black. Both my parents are black. Yeah, and then I would say, no, both both of my parents are black. And they're like, are you sure? Really? (laughs) Are you sure? Uh, No. It, it's it's just the in, the invalidation like, of your experience. Like you cannot try to tell me who I am. Well, where are you from? I am from here. So when I was young, actually, now that I think about it, when I was younger, I would still perceive these as like weird and rude. But now that I think about it, and now I know that it's probably racially motivated, it just it makes me feel really more. It makes me feel more upset. And if if someone does does that now, if someone tries to insult the way my name is spelled or how it sounds or if I'm looked at strange in a store if I'm hanging around for too long then I get I get really upset because now I know it's like okay this is probably just because of my race because I haven't even said anything. I've had a lot of microaggression experiences but one that really stuck with me was over the summertime actually no this was a little bit probably right after I graduated in May my job put out these rules Chick-fil-a incorporated middle river they <laughs> decided that they were going to put stipulations on what color hair we could have. And when I first saw this, I was like, oh, they're not going to do this. The stipulations did not only include hair color, they included being able to wear lashes, your nail size or length and things like of that nature. I worked in the kitchen, so I thought that, you know, the nail rule was, of course, that was applicable to what my part of the job and that they need to do other things like have front of the house wear gloves and things of that nature. 
they had a box asking us what things that we like or things that we should do better. And I put in that box that front of the house should wear gloves. They touch the food as well, so why not? Um, a little while after that, I decided to get my hair done. Per the rules that you could not have hair color that was not natural to you. I decided, well, since my hair color had to be natural and I was always getting braids that were kind of like a light brown color, I was like, okay, this time I'm gonna go natural ginger. I'm gonna go back to my roots. I know there are people with natural ginger hair, they're not gonna have an issue with it. They're also at this time trying to fire me as well. They were looking for any and everything to fire me out of nowhere, out of a place of malice for some reason. Um, I come back a Wednesday. I had a very long shift. It was gonna be about eight hours good pay, which I needed for school. And this is 30 minutes before my shift. I walk in, put my stuff in the back. My director calls me, yells at me from across the kitchen. She's standing in the front door, probably 50 feet away from me. I'm standing in the very back. She yells my name. I come around the corner, I'm like, yes, you need to take your hair off right now. I don't know what you did, but it needs to go. In my head, I'm like, this is unprofessional. I, I don't know what's going on. So she proceeds to say, come here. And I'm like, well, this is my boss, so I can't not go to her. So I go to her. Everybody in the kitchen stops what they're doing. This is a Wednesday night. This is rush hour. Everybody stops what they're doing. So that means nothing's happening in the kitchen, but everybody paying attention to what's happening. She's like, your hair is not natural. I don't know what's going on with it, but what are you going to do about it? Because you can't wear that. And I said, well, I got my hair done and it's a natural ginger color. She said, no, it's not. My director is an African-American woman who works in a white business. I understand the stipulations that she has to face, but I know the rules. Me and her went over the rules. And I said, as you know, black people can be born with ginger hair. I showed her a picture of my uncle when he was younger who has had ginger hair at that time. She said, this is still not natural. This is too orange. It wasn't. So I left work. She said, come back when you, when you fix your hair. I'm like, I don't think I can do that. My hair is dyed. I lied because I had a wig on, but I was like, I'm not taking it off. It was glued down. Come on now. That's not right. So I go home and I'm crying. I'm crying while driving home. Good thing it's like five minutes away from my house. I go in the, ho the house and my mom's like, why are you crying? What's, what's going on? I'm like, mom, they told me to take my hair off. I don't understand what's going on. She's like, they told you to take your hair off. Why? Mind you, my mom already knew the rules because I told her. I complained to her about it when it happened. And she was like, Who's, what's, what's your boss's email? Tell him you're not coming back. I said, mom, I got to get the money. Like, we, we, I got to go to school. She was like, no, tell him you're not going back. Email your, the, the person who owns the business. So I emailed him. We started a text exchange, uh, email exchange. He said, well, send me pictures of, um, well, I heard what happened from Brittany. And I just want to know what, what really happened. And I told him what happened. He says, well, come in with your hair the next day and we'll see. I'll see. I'll check it. I just, I just need to see it. This is after I sent him multiple pictures of people being, that were born with natural brown hair. The photos that I sent him per were of lighter African-American people. So then a thought popped in my head. Is this because I'm dark? Is it because my skin is browner or darker than a usual redhead? Because that doesn't make any sense. You said natural hair color. So I go in, I have my meeting with him. He says, no, your hair is too orange. And I said, here's a photo of my uncle with the same hair color. That's not natural, that's dyed. And white man is telling me that my hair color is not natural. I put a lot of thought into what I was doing because I didn't want to get fired. He's like, well, you can work your shift, but I don't know what to tell you about the rest of your shifts, but 
you can come back in the summertime or whenever you want and try to reapply. But I, I can't give you your back pay for the day that you missed. I, I'm able to like see it when it happens to other people too. For example, I was on TikTok and I saw the a video of, of this of this lady and she was black and she's living in Turkey with her uh, fiance, I believe. But um, her and her white friends decided to go to Italy for vacation. And like she was saying like immediately... Like from the second she got there, she was getting weird looks. She was followed around a store um, while she was just looking through clothes. Um, people were ignoring her and only speaking to her friends that were white. And when she brought it up with her friends um, after it happened, they were like, oh, I don't think that's what happened. Uh, you're looking into us too much. That didn't happen to me. So I- I'm not sure where you got that from or stuff like that. And people in the comments were like, tearing her to shreds because she was bringing up the fact that she was treated this way in italy because i think think about like not white people don't have to experience really if like really going to a country and then being worried about how you're going to be perceived there because the thing is like racism happens everywhere and it's not only an american thing and i don't think people know this really some people just don't know people some people expect like oh europeans are like you you go to europe and and they're not americans they're not racist even though that's not true at all and so like when people are talking about i see people on tiktok that are that are uh, people of color and they're like yeah i don't know if i want to go to italy now because I, I, that makes me kind of nervous people are like what are you talking about like italy's a great place like, they have amazing culture they have great food they're great people but they just don't understand that some people are just scared they don't want to go to a place they don't want to pay to go to a place and then be treated like this and and i even see like a lot of um black content creators on instagram like rating the places that they visited where they feel the safest and i feel so i feel so safe when i see that content because i'm like okay if i were ever to go to this country then i'm sure i'll be treated okay because you know this person online said that they went and they were treated well seeing that that girl talk about she was on the verge of tears talking about how awful she was treated there and she was getting like like all these awful threats from people that are like like why are you insulting italy like that like you just had a bad time that doesn't mean that other people have a bad time there and it's like i don't think people realize that you're just invalidating her experience like so hard by saying that like she is what happened to her happened and she is well within her right to be like i don't want to go here again because my experience was that i had won this award and we had to read our essays out loud and then we were given the award and we were shaking people this was (laughs) pre-covid we were shaking people's hands and i was going down the line shaking everybody's hands and this one white woman she didn't shake my hand and so like me being the perky happy girl i was i was like oh germs like very cute very sweet about it very sweet everybody else shook my hand but her but i was like oh germs i get it and then this white guy comes up he says his essay he shakes everybody's hand including hers right that that was really the first that was my eye opener was having someone not shake my hand and me being like oh germs i get it even pre-covid you know some people don't like to touch some people don't like to shake hands i I understood that but watching her shake his hand i mean proudly that that was so unbelievably eye-opening to me and i i usually don't tell people one of the nonverbal behaviors mm-hmm. because it was fine for you to see at face value and put that connotation onto it that okay she didn't shake my hand because of COVID and you have all these different reasons but again it's because she didn't shake someone's hand who's uh, she shook someone's hands who's of the same race then it makes sense to you that oh okay so your intention really wasn't to shake my hand because of my race not because of germs so but if it, if remove that individual you'd just think oh 
it's just that and you don't move on about your day but unfortunate you know that happened and so it, it made your that that was like your reality you know that you're like wow so this and then it makes you question too are we still doing this this day and age like haven't we advanced as a people like why are we still not wanting to touch a person not wanting mm-hmm. to you know sit next to a person all these different behaviors walking around a store calling a person out by their name you know and kind of stuff or out of you know discredit their culture or their heritage you know that kind of stuff micro invalidation really <laughs> So why are these behaviors still happening, you know? Because I, I just think that we've come such a long way that people are now more educated, people are now more exposed to a lot, people are now, you know, I think of even like the diversity and inclusion, that's a whole different conversation, right? So working in academia, they bring in, you know, everybody, oh, let's put a whole committee together on diversity and inclusion. Let's make people feel welcome. But is that really what it is? Or are we just doing it because it makes sense? We're doing it because that's, that's what's trending, you know? But we kind of figure that people, why are we still having these conversations? Like we should already know to make people feel welcome. We should already know to make people feel valued. We should already know to make people feel respected. Why should we have these trainings, these sessions, these conversations? And it's necessary because people still aren't appreciating each other, you know? So you still got to keep, keep at it. For Hood College students specifically, if there have been any experiences that you have had with microaggressions, either from faculty, other students, in the Frederick community in general. And if not, nothing wrong with that, but I did want to open the table to the actual school experience because Mm -hmm. that's part of my mission here is to hear from students from Hood and Mm -hmm. if they've had any experiences like this. And this is not to minimize anybody who has had this experience because your experience is valid, is true, is valuable, and deserves to be heard. So please always feel free to reach out to me. My email is jrc19 at hood.edu if you would like to be on future episodes of my podcast because your voice totally deserves to be heard. Do you think there will ever be a world without microaggressions? Do you want to take this, Karen? (laughs) It'll never be a world without one because people honestly don't realize that they're doing it, which is, it's not a good thing at all, but it's it's like you can only do but so much if someone doesn't know what they're doing it. You can only try to, well, when you notice the behavior, just say, hey, like, this is how you made me feel when you said this. Can you, like, can we work on not saying certain things like that or saying it in that way? Because that's the only way you can change how microaggressions are or just trying to slowly dilute them out. Because like we said, saying micro doesn't minimize it, but it's something that can be so slight that you don't even see it. I definitely agree. And no, you know, microaggressions will never cease. You know, as long as there are human beings with different ways of interpreting the world and other people, there are going to be those misunderstandings. You know, those are always going to exist. That doesn't mean it's a terrible thing or it's a shameful thing. The shameful thing is understanding that there are learned behaviors and customs that alienate people in societies, but not taking the time to address those, to confront them and say, this is not okay. This is actually harming me. This is harming a community. This is actually disadvantaging people and we're not doing something about it especially if it's an arbitrary thing like hair like what does my hair color have to do with me being able to flip some burgers what does my name have to do with my intelligence so the problem that I feel like we can get closer to getting rid of is the acceptance of microaggressions and the disregard of people who call them out you know saying oh you're just being all sensitive this going to like the stereotype of gen z being you know the little snowflakes all sensitive it's like no we're actually pretty open and understanding that yeah words have power a girl can dream you know (laughs) i 
I I don't know. I don't know, Jordan. I, I hope so. Uh, I know it's going to take a long time, a, a lot of work, and a lot of learning, and we probably won't see that anywhere near in our lifetimes, not in our children's lifetimes. You know, it, it might be generations of work. Who knows? Um, people just have to be willing to work and understand and do the learning. And the question is, will they? Uh, I honestly, I, I have no idea because I still think we have so much work to do with just educating people on racism because it's a, it's a very sensitive subject for a lot of people and people just need to understand that it is going to be uncomfortable to talk about these things but it has to be done because there's still like the way you, the way you talk like to people you need to learn how to like talk to people with without you know making judgments about them without insulting them or anything like that you just need to be educated on this stuff and we need to have like an, we need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable if you have to start the conversation with i don't want to be racist but k- kill it oh i don't no, want to be offensive i don't want to be offensive but <laughs> but there's that but kick kick it right out the door <laughs> um just just take it throw it away i don't think we'll ever have a world without um a world yeah without microaggression um i'm putting on my hr hat here i'm thinking <laughs> of um almost like like attracts like and i only say that because when you look at say recruiting which is what the area that i love for hr and when i when i put on my hr hat whichever wherever i go i tend to look at who's in my surroundings and just related to who hire who who's so in terms of like the recruiting aspect, when I go into, say, into a restaurant, I'm looking around to see who are the key people, who are the servers, who's there, you know, the person who's greeting me at, at, at the, the door, the entrance. And you see it tend to be people who look alike. If I go into, whether well, it's Chick-fil-A, I may see a predominantly Hispanic, depending on, also depending on the location. But at the same time, if it's like a manager there that, and the person's doing a hire, you can tell who they're hiring. They're hiring people who look like them. Not to say that it's bad or it's wrong, but because we have so many people being hired that look like a certain, have certain characteristics or identity of a person, because we tend to, you know, we want to be with people who we identify with. So there'll always be that aggression, because now if I come into your establishment and I'm seeing just predominantly, you know, Hispanics or predominantly um, Asian or predominantly uh, Latinx, I'm go- you know, that judgment hat's going to come on. You know, I'm going to look at this person and the first, you, we, first thing we always think of is all the negative stereotype. We go into an establishment, you see predominantly black people. You're going to start, you know, you go in there, of course, with an intention to purchase or get, you know, your service, get services, but there's always going to be that judgment. And again, we're in a, you know, America is just a melting pot of people, different walks, different, you know, background, different, you know, race, gender, all of that stuff, all mixed into one. So no matter where you go, you're going to see somebody who looks different who doesn't look like you and the first thing we're going to do is have that judgment again what is positive or negative it's still going to be there so and you can't you can't shy away from that you, there's no way around it but just be able to accept and understand people for who they are uh, and until that happens it will always be microaggression because and we may not say it but again body language speaks those verbal or non-verbal you know slides you know may not mean it but because of who we are and what we're learned those learned behaviors they come out um so no i don't think it'll go away do you think that if we incorporated microaggression in schools if this was mandatory in every school that we would still live in a world with microaggressions are you asking if we if we implemented education mm-hmm. like you know where everything is cupcake and rainbows and we get to do whatever we want in the education system and we inc- incorporated a class solely on microaggressions or even 
human rights, you know, starting in elementary school and the curriculum changes as you get older, do you think that would minimize microaggressions to the point that they wouldn't happen? Or do you think ignorance keeps uh, a class itself? Most definitely not, because we have to consider the fact that education, especially in the U.S., is very boxed in, you know, it, and I don't want to go on too much of a tangent, but I know growing up for myself, I know my brother included, we did not always look forward to school just because it did feel very, you know, manufacturing, like factory line, you know, we got to be in class at this time. We got to be doing this for this time. We have this little bit of time for lunch and recess and do our own thing, but then we got to get back to work. Like it didn't feel often like a fun experience. And honestly, if you already have that mindset and you already have a life that may not be ideal outside of school, having a class where it would be valuable information, something that can help you in your life, it would be hard to really have that be effective. You have to consider that. Um, it's, it would be a great start. It should be a mandatory thing. Um, just like many things that need to focus on human beings and human interactions, besides just being productive in doing equations or doing an assignment or writing an essay. Those are valuable things, but they're not integral to the human being experience, especially when you're interacting with other people. Um, so I think it's a necessary good start. It would not minimize microaggressions to the point where they don't happen anymore though. I don't think so. It depends on which context. I say this because I remember um, Katanji Brown's hearing um, to become the first black woman to be nominated for the Supreme Court Justice. And just watching her, um, her journey through the whole process, she was interrogated a lot just based on critical race theory, something that she has nothing to do with. All she did was maybe said something about it, you know, but it's because it's based in academia. I remember Ted Cruz, Senator Cruz, just kept going at it. What is do you practice it when you know when you're you know on the stand and you you know have these judgment against you know people who commit crimes and so on? Do you practice critical? And she's like, kept saying, well, no, it's part of like the academic institutions, part of the teaching. So there's this negative connotation when it comes to critical race theory. We know what it is. It's all about learning and growing and just educating a person on all these different you know <laughs> movements and stuff to help really make people feel valued and welcome but we need to talk about you know the civil rights movement we need to talk about the feminist movement we need to bring all of these to light and that's really what that is this is is bringing these things to the forefront to have these meaningful conversations but it has to be done in a way that it's beneficial to all especially the dominant group so if someone feel like you're going to talk about critical race theory if you're going to talk about microaggression again this negative connotation to those terms, but if you have it in a way that it's not just a, a person affected by race only, because when you're thinking about race, you're thinking about who's impacted by this mostly. It's mainly African-Americans, it's mainly you know, Latinx, it's mainly Asians. How do we put in a way that it benefits all? So you're talking about, about microaggression, not based on race, but just microaggression period, and seeing all people impacted men, women, blacks, whites, you, you know, you have to name it all. A person's religion, a person, all of that, then you may have something that you can say, okay, now it impacts everyone as a whole. Let's see how we can put some in micro interventions in place to help reduce those behaviors. Again, it's not going to go away. It's going to be there. We always going to be judgmental to whomever because it's just there. It's just a natural thing. When you don't see somebody who look like you and have those certain characteristics, we're going to look and say something. So again, it's not going to go away. But if you find a way in which you encompass a, a training, a whatever it is, a curriculum that in that involves everyone and these behaviors that impact everyone as a whole, then I can see something like that put it into practice where, okay, now it's in the school system because we need to start talking about it and now changing the mindset of people 
to now they are more accepting and recognizing these behaviors, address them, and now you can see those behaviors change, almost like changing the culture. I actually told you what she just said. <laughs> Obama told me common sense is not common. So ignorance is not just going to be in oblivion. It's not going to be gone. But you can minimize the amount of microaggressions that's used and teach a whole new generation that, hey, this is just because everybody else is doing it, it doesn't mean it's okay. It's, it's tricky because the unfortunate truth is that a lot of educators as well are not, you know, have their own prejudice, as, as, as does everybody, as Erica mentioned. And, but incorporating that conversation into early childhood development, I think, can, can really pave the way for like a more inclusive future because right now it's so taboo to talk about that, you know, race um, in school. Uh, sexuality, sexuality even religion and even exactly. politics yeah even just sex con- just sex, sex in general right? right things that we need to know about and need right. to have conversations about and and like you said like microaggressions occur with every different type of population it's not just race ethnicity gender sexuality yeah. it's it's age yeah. class um ability uh right. your your yeah, um, citizenship status you know it can go on um and apply to so many different populations and groups and the more we talk about it the less stumbling i guess there's gonna be for those groups i totally agree i think education is a good start so what is something positive you've learned from microaggressions because i'm all about at the end of the day thinking about you know what this sucks this experience has sucked but what what is something that i can take from this that's that is a positive yeah, i'll definitely say like it helps with for me understanding the nuance better just in general with human relationships because microaggressions can happen even from the people you trust and respect the most you know it can be a slip of the tongue it can be a bias that they have that is in a comment they say like even it's like okay we're having a conversation on this like strong idea that we both seem to agree on but then you take this turn in your opinion it's like wait what what do you mean by that um i feel like because human beings are not always clear with what they say you know they could say something but have a implication of it um it helps me you know remember like you know human beings we're not perfect um we're going to convey ideas that may make sense in our mind or we may convey ideas that we're not even realizing we are you know from a bias from a learned behavior custom and ideology that is actually harmful um and the fact that little by little you know we're having these moments you know with a podcast with a conversation with doing a little bit of research of realizing hey this something this microaggression now that say for the general person now that i have a term to this i can use this as a tool you know in carrying out myself and how i engage with other people realizing hey even if you say something in the sweetest tone with the nicest intent it can still hurt someone and feel disrespectful to them it doesn't mean you should be persecuted or you should be ridiculed or shamed but hey learn from it do better the worst thing that can happen is you buckle down and you know try to take a moral game with it like well i didn't mean like this no you know what i mean hey you know we've known each other for so long like avoiding the actual problem just remembering we're human beings we're going to make mistakes we need to learn from this and progress um honestly on a positive note it doesn't matter what people what other people say whether it's a hit at you or not you're honestly beautiful as yourself, so that's all that really matters. As long as you think of yourself as a wonderful human being and that you're true to yourself. You know, we can't be perfect human beings. We make mistakes. We say things that we don't. We didn't even realize that we felt or said, and it's not invalidating like, oh, that's not what I meant. It's being like, you know what? Tell me how I made you feel because that really wasn't my intent, but I apologize, and I want to learn how to be better. How about that? How's your mind feeling after that discussion? 
Isn't it so interesting how much we can learn in a small time? I hope you come back and join me on my next podcast for Minority Minds. I'm your host with the most, Jordan Costley, and be kind to your mind. Minority, minority, minority minds. Minority, minority, minority minds. Minority, minority, minority minds. Minority, minority, minority minds.